Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. Lots to talk about today. A new listener wrote in and told me that they disagree with me about sports. So we're going to visit that for a minute, and we're going to use that to leverage today's topic into a discussion about price, cost, and value. What do you think you're going to pay? What's it going to bring to your life? That's the value. And then what's it actually going to require from you? That's the cost. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, I did get another email regarding sports. I got another comment on the website. Will wrote in to say that cognitive dissonance is holding two thoughts in tension. I know Will. I worked with Will. He's one of the finer human beings that I have ever had the privilege of uh, having in my life. And I wrote him back and told him that I disagree with him. I actually probably don't. I, I like to poke at Will, and I think he likes to poke at me a little bit to spur on deeper thought, deeper uh, penetration of our own thoughts. So, so self-reflection. Uh, one of the things I think he texted me once, he said, you always make me think, period. I might hate you for that smiley face. And, you know, th- this is really not the topic that I want to talk about today. Maybe it should be. But you need people in your life like that. You need people in your life who spur you to deeper thought. You need people who... Who, who, will, who will challenge your thoughts, who will challenge your words, who will help you create a scoreboard of truth, if you will. One of the things, I read a book, I've talked about it numerous times, uh, called Thinking and Bets, and one of the episodes that I want to do out of that book is, is she, she talks about creating a habit of truth-seeking. Creating a habit of, of truth-seeking really means to create a compelling scoreboard of truth. So you should have people in your life that are people who spur you on to deeper thought, who spur you on to challenge your thoughts, who don't let you just give you unadulterated, yep, yay, that's good, you did it, wow, that's awesome. And they just give you these pats on the back that are actually destructive. I see this so much in our society today where we have reduced every criticism to being a hater. We're addicted to rage, we're addicted to anger, and and we somehow think that if we're angry, we've achieved a virtue. And one of the easiest ways to get angry is for someone to criticize us. That is completely unhelpful to growth. You will not grow, I will not grow, if the only people in our lives are the people who are our echo chamber, if you will, who are our yes people, who are our amen chorus. We won't grow if those are the only people in our lives. We need people to challenge us. Uh, with that said, typically they should challenge us on the things that they actually disagree with us. But there's even value in having one or two friends, and I, I'm blessed to have these friends in my life, that they will challenge you on things that they think they agree with you on. To have someone like that, maybe a couple someone's like that in your life, is a tremendous opportunity for growth. So Will Will wrote in and he said that cognitive dissonance is holding two thoughts in tension. I agree, Will. Uh, when I say we're going to talk about it in the future, what I mean is is it tends to get a bad rap. Cognitive dissonance tends to get a bad rap amongst people because it's discomforting. In fact, I believe if you look up the psychological definition, like the textbook definition of 
cognitive dissonance. I believe that it's actually one of the one of the original definitions involves the words cognitive discord and cognitive discomfort, which is a fancy way of saying people aren't comfortable with what's going through their head. And we tend to want to reject things that we're not comfortable with. So we are going to do that. Uh, someone else wrote in about sports. I'm going to read it because it's going to set me up for today's topic, which is talking about price, cost, value. And we're going to also talk a little bit about uh, a question my wife asked me regarding my boundaries podcast. There was two of them. Uh, the last two episodes, episodes 140 and 141. Uh, and I actually thought about doing a whole third episode just on her question. Okay, so uh, someone writes in, actually a husband and a wife wrote in. It was signed husband and wife. I'm betting just one of them wrote it though. It's really hard to write an email like with someone else because do they use their left hand and you use your right hand when they have to hit shift and you're the one hitting the cap. It's just very difficult. So I'm going to guess that just one person wrote it. Here's what they wrote. Dear Joe, we are new listeners to your podcast. Awesome. Welcome. I like that. We have binged almost 100 episodes in the last two weeks. Wow, honestly and truly, that is a huge compliment. Thank you. Uh, we, we drive a lot, and so we get to listen to things that we enjoy, and we truly enjoy your podcast. Again, thank you. We do, however, have a contention to pick with you. Here it comes. We do not agree with your take on sports. We believe that sports are a wonderful opportunity to, treat, to teach our children values and how we want to live our lives as adults. We believe that sports are a wonderful opportunity to teach our children how to fail and how to do so and learn from their failure. We also believe that our children uh, do not have to engage in many difficult things, and so we need to teach them to engage. We need to teach them. I should have read this more thoroughly, I guess. And we need to teach them to engage in difficult things in any way that we can. Also, there is uh, the hope for scholarships someday, although that is not a main driving force for us. Signed, the couple. I'm not going to read their names. Mostly because they gave me their last names, Mr. and Mrs. That's kind of strange to me. I'm, I'm probably older than them. Uh, but so here's the thing that, that, that I want to say. First of all, I agree with you that sports are a wonderful opportunity to teach our children really good things. What I'm suggesting is the way that we are currently doing sports is not teaching our children those things. In fact, I just read about a second study now that's come out. Uh, I've talked about the first study. They actually put it into a book, One Way to Win, uh, how the longer kids are involved in sports, the less likely they are to actually develop good character. The higher level they play at and the longer they're involved, the less likely they are to play or the less likely they are to, to have good character, develop good character. So if your kid's like a D3 athlete, they're right at the cusp of the danger point, essentially, based on the study. Kids who will never leave playing high school uh, or play after high school are at the least risk as far as athletes go. But in, in the playing, to, or One Way to Win, I believe is the book, uh, the, the, the research is terrifying. Athletes that, that play at a high level are more likely to cheat on exams. They're more likely to cheat on their homework. They're more likely to use the end, in other words, the outcome, to justify the means. So they're more likely to use the outcome of, hey, I need to play, I want to win, to justify whatever they do. They're more likely to cheat. And it's not translating to good character skills for adults. And, and there's probably a lot of reasons for that. We have created a celebrity culture. We literally live in a culture where we call people who put up pictures influencers. 
And often their pictures are about their enhanced body parts, either enhanced surgically or enhanced because they have filters. And you can get mad at me for that as much as you want. You, I, I fully expect someone's going to email me or send me some sort of message telling me how wrong I am, blah, blah, blah. And yet, that's what we do. That isn't influence. It used to be called porn. And so, uh, I, I, we, we've created this celebrity culture where a lot of high school athletes, that's the best it's ever going to be for them. They're going to walk down the halls at their local high school with their letterman's jacket on, and people are going to fawn over them. Teachers are going to cut them breaks. Uh, people are going to tell them how special they are. And, and, that's, and let's just take all that away. Say people aren't going to cut them breaks. Teachers aren't going to tell them how special they are because they can play a sport. Let's just say that, that, that they're taught walking down the hallways that they're no different than the kid who shows up to school every day and does his or her work and then goes home and works on the family farm. That they're no different than that kid. Even still, for many athletes, it's the only time in their life where the lights are going to be on. I remember when I was a kid, there was this park where we would get together and play pickup basketball. And I was never a very good basketball player, but I enjoyed playing. And so I would go, and I'd always get picked near the end. And it was fine. Uh, I, I would, I'd like to think I was scrappy. Uh, but so we're playing, and then the lights would come on. And, and you see five shadows of you. And when you jump and you, you put the ball in, you know, when I jump, I jumped one time. I was trying out for a basketball team, and they said, okay, go ahead and jump, and I did. And then they're like, okay, go ahead and jump. And I was like, I, I just did. Some of you will get that later today. Uh, but you, you jump and there's the shadows and it's this incredible moment of wow. And then all of a sudden we're struggling because now all that's taken away. These, these athletes, even if they, you know, they make it through college, think about a college athlete. I, I actually am friends, like legitimate friends with some people who have played Division I football. They went from playing in front of 107,000 people to selling phones for Verizon, which there's nothing, I want to be really clear, there's nothing wrong with selling phones in front of Verizon. But imagine you're 19 years old, there's 107,000 people screaming either for or against you, there is hundreds of lights highlighting every move you make. Do you think it would be hard to transition from that to adulting, and I put that in air quotes because I hate the word. All right, so, so the return that we're getting, the value, and that's what I want to talk about today, price, cost, value. Typically in our society, we look at price and value. What's the price? Oh, here's a pair of shoes for 50 bucks, and I think they're worth 50 bucks, or I think they're not worth 50 bucks. Here's a home for $250,000, and I think it's worth $250,000. You know, and this gets a little bit fluid. For instance, one time I was talking to somebody, I was like, yeah, I think I want to buy a boat. And uh, he was very kind. And he was like, hey, I actually know of a guy who's selling a boat and he'll discount it for you for $100,000. Like that's almost as much as I paid for my house. I can't afford a $100,000 boat. And, and to him, he was just like, oh. And so the value and price spectrum for the two of us was different. That's not right or wrong. It just meant it was different. Okay, so as we get into this, let's, met, let's make some definitions. It's often helpful to have definitions of what we're talking about. So let's make a definition. Price is the price tag that we see. It's the, the value that we expect to pay for whatever it is we're going to do. 
So if I see a car for $9,000, that's the price I expect to pay. The best illustration of this is buying a house. So we're just gonna use really simple numbers and we're gonna do all three for a house. So price is the value that I pay for the house. To use simple numbers, I'm gonna say $100,000. So I see a house for $100,000. I'm currently living in an apartment for $1,400 a month. I see a house for $100,000 uh, with a down payment from the money my grandma left me. I can pay $900 a month for my house. In order to buy the house, I can pay $900 a month or $100,000 total. So I do that. Now, that's the price. I'm gonna do value first and then we're gonna to get to cost. Value, I look at my house and even though I only paid $100,000 for it, I believe that in today's market, according to all the little things that they do, uh, he, the actual value of the house is $150,000. So the price was $100,000. The value is what I expect that I could actually turn around and sell the house for or the value it brings to me. So maybe it's only $100,000. I think it's exactly what I paid, but it's in the country. It has sunsets. It has a place for me to eventually have some farm animals and it's on like two acres of land. So I'm away from my neighbors. And to me, having lived in an apartment for the last 10 years, that's worth it. That becomes a value. There are things, value is not quite as easily defined by just the number. It's the things that it brings me. So I spend, I spend a lot of money on books. In the last two days, I've ordered four books, all of them professional development books, and I'll read them all. And I've been reading books and books and books. In fact, uh, if you're my friend on Goodreads, I apologize. I'm a little bit behind on, on uh, getting the books that I uh, actually read, marked as read. And, and that's fine. Uh, but so books are not the value. I have a friend who's like, I never buy books. I always borrow them from the library. That's totally fine. Because to him, the, the, the price of the book isn't worth it. So if it's a $15 book, he's like, I only read it once. It's not worth a $15 experience, which is strange to me because he spends a lot of time at the movies where it's probably 30 bucks or 45 bucks for a three hour event. For me, I tend to reread some books. I tend to reference them. So having books near me is beneficial. And there are values to that, that uh, the 15 bucks, blah, 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 bucks and books. I said them both at the same time. There's, there's value to it that the 15 bucks doesn't cover, such as I want my kids to grow up in a culture of books. So I have a Kindle. There are people that think that's terrible. That you have a Kindle that, you know, the regular books. I travel a lot. Traveling with a Kindle is amazing. I can take 400 books with me and it's probably a quarter of an inch thick. It's awesome. I love it. And so there, there's a value there to me. So value is what I expect to get out of, out of removing it or, or, what it, or what the thing, the whatever it is we're talking about brings into my life. So there are friendships that I have that bring value to my life, even though, and I've talked about this in the past, even though I don't go to that person much for my, my troubles, I don't go to that person much for my problems, they bring value into my life because I'm able to help them, I'm able to, to mentor them, I'm able to help them grow. There are other friendships that bring value into my life because I do go to them for problems. It is, it is more mutually beneficial. And we, we run through that. And so value is what I think I'm getting out of whatever it is I'm doing. When I went to graduate school, one of the things that I really focused on was the value of what I was getting, not the cost as much. We talked about the cost, my, my wife and I, a lot. 
but not the price tag. I, I wanted to look at the value. Because, so I didn't worry much about A's. I didn't worry much about certain things that some of my colleagues worried about because they had a different agenda. They had a different uh, pursuit, and that's fine as well. But I wanted to be set up to best be able to help the, my future clients, to best leverage what I was doing to benefit my family. So so price is the, is the number that I expect to pay. Whatever that is, and we're using a house as an illustration, but it could be anything. Uh, a value is what I expect to get out of it. Now, here's the thing that trips us all up. Cost. Think about a house. If I've been living in a two-bedroom apartment for the last 10 years, or, or a one-bedroom house and I just upgraded to a two-bedroom house, or a two-bedroom house and I upgraded to a three-bedroom house, it doesn't matter. I now have more cost. A, when I live in an apartment, I probably don't have to have homeowner's insurance. I, I might have renter's insurance, but that's incredibly cheap. Homeowner's insurance, while not overly expensive, cost significantly more, adding to the cost. I might want to buy more furniture. I'm going to need to buy more. I remember when we moved to the house that we currently live in about 15 years ago, uh, it, it sits on, on about five acres of land. And the only thing I had was a push mower. You would literally mow. We would literally mow every day of the week over the summer. My dad came out to visit one day and literally the only thing he did because he enjoys mowing is he push mowed the entire day. And by the time you got done, you'd have to start back over. And eventually we got a riding mower and even that we scaled up. We started out with a $350 mower or $500 mower and we kind of scaled up and recently we were able to get a zero turn, which is a lot of fun. All of a sudden my kids now want to mow. Uh, and, and as we embraced those times, as we moved into those things, what happened was we, you buy your $100,000 home, but now you have expenses that you didn't used to have to pay for your that you didn't used to have to pay for your apartment or for your smaller house. And so your house now has more. You're buying outdoor patio furniture. All of these things are cost associated with buying a bigger house. And so cost is something else. When, when we buy something, when my kids buy something, I try to get them to think in terms of hours of their life, not in money. So if something is $25 and you're making $12 an hour, that's essentially worth two hours of your life. Is that hoodie worth two hours of your life? That's what I want them to process because that's taking into question cost. And when you start to understand price, value, and cost, one of the things you realize is that almost everything costs you more than the price. Very few things in life cost you less than the price. And there are a lot of things we do where the actual cost doesn't meet the value. For instance, some dude is having an affair. Right now, the cost isn't much, but the value isn't much either. When his wife finds out and she divorces him, is that worth it? I just had a conversation with a friend of mine. He put up an article. Uh, some of his friends commented, people that I know tangentially, but he's friends with. And then he and I were talking, we, he, and I, he and I were talking, and I was like, hey man, that thing you put up the other day on Facebook, uh, that one guy, holy, wow, that was just an exercise in missing the point and navel-gazing. And, and he and I were talking back and forth, and I was like, you know, I actually thought about commenting back, and then I just didn't because the value of commenting back isn't actually worth the cost or the price to me, which is time and energy. I'm trying to not put energy into things that I don't find value in. Cost is the totality of everything you pay for what you're doing. So in the house situation, the cost of buying the house is not just the price tag, it's all the other things I have to do, the maintenance. And look, I own a home, I hope that a lot of people own a home, I think it's good for, for the society, I think it's good for 
our economy. I think it's good for our country. More people own private land. But, but there's a cost associated with it. My friendships, there's a cost associated with them. If my kids play sports, there's a cost associated with them. And here's the thing, when people say to me I, that they disagree with me about sports, here's the, thing, here's the thing that I think they miss. There's a cost for my kids not playing sports. There is a loss of value for my kids not playing sports or playing piano or, or whatever. Everything that we do comes with cost. Literally everything we do comes with a cost. Today, I'm going to go to a meeting at 11 a.m. Uh, that'll go till noon. I have an appointment at 1 a.m. at one of our offices about a half hour from where my 11 a.m. meeting is. So here's the price, right? It's an hour of my time. But it also, because once I start with that one o'clock client, I don't stop till 10 o'clock tonight. It also is a, uh, a, a cost of, I have to figure out how I'm going to eat. I've got to get food in somewhere in there. And, it, and I, I, don't, I, I don't want to eat fast food. So it has to be healthy food or, or healthier food. And, and so there is a preparation time there. There is a uh, necessity time there to get that in that I have to be able to plan on. I just have to know that there's a cost there. So if your kids play sports, if your kids don't play sports, if your kids are involved in band, if your kids aren't involved, involved in band. So there's always a cost for everything that we do. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with someone about private schools versus public schools, religious schools versus public schools or religious schools versus private non-religious schools. And one of the realities is, is there's a cost to anyone, to any one of those that you choose, there's a cost. If you send your kids to whatever school, there's a cost. If your kids play sports, if they don't play sports, there's a cost. And here's the thing that I think we have to consider. What is how we currently, what is it costing us for how we currently do sports in America? We're losing families. It's not bringing families together. We're not creating adults, or excuse me, we're not only creating adults who have good morals in part because they played sports. We're also creating adults with bad morals in part because they played sports. And we need to have deep conversations about that. What does this matter to you, especially if your kids don't play sports? What are the things in your life that you're devoting a lot of time to and what are they costing you? What are your friendships costing you? One of the things about boundaries is you have to make cost decisions. And in our society, that's not popular. So for me, one of the things I was talking to, when I was talking to the guy about schools, I said, the thing that I don't understand is we know that the parents are the two biggest influencers on how children become adults. Even if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I'm nothing like my parents because rah, 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 and I was not going to be like them. Dude, I totally respect that. I want you to know that. And that still is them influencing you. So like, let's just say that your dad was an alcoholic. And so you're like, I'm never going to be an alcoholic. And you fight against that. That's still, I can still draw a direct line from your dad's alcoholism to your decision to not be an alcoholic. He influenced you. He influenced you through negative outcomes, but he still influenced you. And so the problem is when we spend 20, 25, 30 hours a week involved in sports, running our kids all over, and we stop eating dinner together. That's a cost that I'm not willing to pay. When our kids' lives are revolving around their hobbies, and now the whole family's life is revolving around their hobbies. And so you work 45, 50 hours a week, and then on Saturday, you're fighting because somebody wants to, has to go to one field and somebody has to go to another field, or everybody's at the same field, but you're not uh, you're not engaging in, in, in family time. 
you're lo- in my opinion, you're losing. I just want to be clear on that. That's a cost that I think is too high. It's a cost that's too high for your family. It's a cost that's negatively affecting society. I don't care what it is. You know, I, I, I think about this a lot with some of my business clients as they, they go through their lives and I'm talking to them. One of the things we talk about is like, how are you carving out time for your family? And well, you know, I see them. I'm like, okay, well, here's, here's an interview for your family to do. It's, it's paperwork. And often when I get that paperwork back, the executive that I'm working with has missed the, the reality that part of the cost of, of his success or her success is their family doesn't feel like they're connected to them. And they're not sure how to say it. That's a cost. And so when we start doing cost-thinking decisions, we ask ourselves, what is this going to cost me beyond the known price? What are other things that this might cost me? I am, I am slow to add anything or anyone to my life because it's going to cost me. Let's just say that you've never gone to the gym before and you want to start going to the gym. There's going to be cost involved beyond just getting the gym membership and working out. Because right now, you're not, you're gonna, let's just say you're going to work out for an hour because that's easier math for me. You're going to work out for an hour, but right now you're not. So whatever you were doing for that hour has to go. Now, if you're filling that hour with watching TV or TikTok or scrolling Snapchat, that's probably an okay use of your time. That's probably a, a no-brainer decision, right? A, sw- a sw- swap. A swap of times. I try to say switch and swap. I don't know that my coffee has completely hit yet this morning, and so my my words are coming out faster than my brain can see them. Uh, and, and so that's probably an okay swap of your time. But what happens if that time is spent doing something else that is valuable? Now you've got to find time to do that valuable thing. You're going to need a gym bag to transport yourself back and forth. You're probably going to need a lock. You're going to need some gym clothes. When I first started to get back into the gym a couple years ago, I really didn't have clothes to wear to the gym. I didn't have a gym bag. I had gotten rid of it all. And so I had to, to pay those things. My friendships, if I'm spending time with my friend Will, who I mentioned earlier, he and I are going out for lunch, I can't be spending that time with someone else. Now, maybe the three of us could meet, but then it's a little bit different. It's still valuable, but it's different. There's a cost to it. What are the things that you're doing in your life? What are they costing you? When I read, that costs me something. So most of my reading happens around times that my family isn't awake. Or if we're not engaged in something, like on the weekends if we're home. Uh, One of the things that my wife and I really, really strive for as a outcome, because we believe it's valuable, is, is home time that's just home time. We're not doing anything. And so I'll sit on the couch and read, and my kids will kind of come in and out of the living room, and we'll chit chat. Sometimes they'll be like, hey, what are you watching? I usually have a race on or something while I'm reading. I'm like, oh, it's just the race. And I'll put my book down. I was talking to somebody yesterday about how I, I listen to audiobooks in my vehicle all the time. It's the primary thing that I do when I'm in my vehicle. And he's like, well, what do you do when your kids are in? I'm like, I'm turning it off. Well, why? Because I find if I turn it off, they're more likely to talk. And talking is valuable. But it costs me. It costs me not being able to rehear my book. And so whatever we're talking about, whether it's sports or boundaries or relationships or work, what is the value it brings to your life and what's the cost that it's taking out of your life? These are the things that we need to consider. Price, cost, value. Price, cost, value. So yeah, I can yell at my wife if, you know, if, if she makes me mad. You know I hate the phrase makes me. I said that on purpose. If I'm angry over something she did and, and I yell at her, I can do that. 
Last week, I lost my mind on my son. I don't say this to my credit. I say it to my embarrassment. I lost my mind on my son. I was just yelling at him. That cost me far, far, far more than I would ever gain from it. Because what he did, he didn't mean to do. He accidentally spilled something. Wasn't paying attention. He's eight. Ran into me and spilled something, and I lost my mind. And that cost me. It cost me relational equity with him. When I, later I went to him, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? He was like, no. Now he's eight, so before you send me letters about how I should have spanked him or done any of the, the, that hogwash because he said no, he's eight, he's got to have time to process emotions, and yes, it hurt. So I was like, okay, buddy, we'll talk about it later. He's like, well, you just yelled at me over something that doesn't really matter. And last night I kind of circled back to it. It was about four or five days later. And I circled, and he's like, yeah, no, I did forgive you. I was like, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, I did. You, you must not remember. I was like, okay, so we're good. Yep. He's like, although I, I still don't understand why you yelled at me so much. I get that, buddy. Dad made a bad mistake. I'm sorry. Now, I'm not going to like, you know, live in shame for the rest of my life because I lost my mind on my eight-year-old kid over a spilled drink and I yelled at him. I am going to measure the cost of that and process how to do it better next time. I was talking to somebody about parenting and, and or about the schools. The guy was talking to about the schools. He's like, well, you should, you know, you should make this part of something you talk to people about. And I'm like, I'm just not, I don't care enough. And what I mean by that is what it would cost me isn't worth the value it would bring to what I believe is the calling on my life to be able to help as many people as I can achieve mental and emotional wellness. And so as we engage in this, if you want to write a book, there is the price of writing a book. Whether you go self-publish or you go publish with a publishing company, there's a price to it. There's also a cost that we don't usually see from the beginning. So the goal is to do it two ways. One, we look backward at the things we've done. What are the things that we've done that cost us? What was the cost? And how good was I at projecting that cost? How good was I at looking at the project or whatever it was that I was about to engage in and measuring the cost? And then as I go to the, look to the future, what are the things that I'm involved in and what do I, what do I think they're going to cost me? And is that a, a exchange that I'm willing to make for the value that I think they're going to bring to my life? Hopefully this all makes sense. I'm not against sports. Uh, we are going to talk about cognitive dissonance and cognitive distortions. I do want you to think about price, value, cost. Price, value, cost. What's the known price? That's the price. What do you think you're going to get out of it? That's the expected value. Sometimes we're right on that. Sometimes we're not. And then what's the cost? What are the things beyond the price that you're going to have to pay to, to do whatever it is you're about to do? Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.